Welcome to the Grace-Based Family Podcast. We're We're your hosts, hosts, Karis Murray and Michelle Brook. This is a podcast where we look at the power of grace in the everyday lives of families. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Karis. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing pretty good. We're, We're excited to talk with our audience today about something that I think we all need to talk about right now, and mm-hmm. that is resolving conflict uh, gracefully. Yes. yes. So hard right now. It is so hard right now with the <laughs> COVID and, and the isolation and everything else. So, But before we get into that, I just wanted to, we don't usually say this on this podcast, but you know, I've been told that it's a good thing to do, to remind everybody who listens to us, who enjoys this podcast, please subscribe. It, at whatever you know, podcasting platform you tend to listen on, whether that's Apple or Spotify or Stitcher, we're kind of everywhere. So um, we just we appreciate your you subscribing. That way, you'll hear about new shows every time they come out. And by subscribing, by um, you know following our show, even by giving us a review, if you feel like you'd like to do that, we'd love a five star review. But you know, frankly, be honest. Um, all of that helps other people find our show. And that's yeah. really why it's important. It's important so that, you, you know, you, our listener, can get um, get the newest shows as soon as they come out. But it also helps other people who might be looking for the same kind of um, help and encouragement and conversations mm-hmm. to find us. Because I guess algorithms are a thing and that's what runs the Internet. So, yes. um, yeah. So we want to start off today by I found this quote. I can't figure out who actually wrote it but um yeah so somebody fact check us somebody wrote this so i'm going to cite my sources i'm not sure but at least i'm not claiming it for my own that there is conflict in every story right and don't you think like conflict is crucial to a good story any any book any movie any love story in history when you think about i remember like in seventh grade when you'd have to like map what is it called map yeah. story or whatever or the hero's quest yes, you know there's you... the rising action right. and the conflict and the climax and result like right. none of that resolution um and those lovey-dovey feelings at the end of the rom-com happens without conflict it's an every right. story yes. and when we think about the greatest story considering the gospel story right like you think about in romans God talks about we were all sinners, right? Mm-hmm. And the wages of sin is death, but right. Jesus paid our debt. So every good story. That's like the best bud in history, I right? Know, you that, know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> when you think about, because uh, to me, I I really don't like conflict. I am a conflict avoider. But when I think, okay, s- conflict is good and it can tell a redeeming, beautiful, good story, just yeah. like the gospel, just like our lives lived out in relationship with people can have a lot of conflict. So we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, I do know who said this and I'm going to quote Gwyneth Paltrow right now. <laughs> Lovely. Um, You know, we're going to be super hip and, and quote <laughs> Gwyneth. But I was watching her on a talk show and she was telling a story about, you know, she, I guess, became famous pretty early on in her life and now has been famous for a long time. But within the first, you know, few years of her really getting in some big movies where people knew who she was and she was the it girl, right? Um, She just was making bad choices. You know, I don't know enough of her history to know exactly what she was referring to or whatever. But her dad basically sat her down and said, "You're, you're kind of becoming, you know, a bad word. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it, but he yeah. he was just forthright with her and was like, you're becoming a meanie. A mean girl. Yeah. Mean girl. Bad person. Um, and and uh, she just said, so here's her quote that, um, you know, fame and she's relating it to fame. Right. Fame isn't really good for people because friction is essential to our lives. Mm-hmm. Like friction. We need that friction to force us to interact with people. And mm-hmm. so for her and her story, what had happened is as she became the it girl famous, it basically just like removed all of these barriers for mm-hmm. her. Right. Yeah. You know, everybody said yes to her now. Right. Everybody agreed with her. Mm-hmm. Everybody told her she was the best. Everybody, you know, wanted to yeah. please her. And that sounds like it would be awesome. And maybe it felt awesome to her at the time. But when you think about it, it's so detrimental, mm-hmm. you know, and so she's sitting on this talk show basically looking back and saying, now it's been decades. And I can say that that conversation with my dad was so important because it helped me to see this lack of friction and lack of conflict yeah. and lack of barriers is not good for me. And it's right. not going to be good for my continued growth. And, you know, mm-hmm. we I think it's debatable whether or not Gwyneth Paltrow is somebody we look up to. It's fine. Right. I'm not fangirling or whatever over her, but I just think that that um, that concept is important. And that's what we're talking about today, mm-hmm. specifically conflict in our relationships. Right. And families. I mean, families, we, but, focusing yeah, the on people families, closest to us. We yeah. will have conflict with friends and coworkers and people outside, yeah. neighbors or whatever. Um, so I think it's good to recognize that conflict is inevitable in all families. Right. I think it's uh, personally, I think it's like a weird red flag if people are like, we're good. We're perfect all yeah. the time. Like, that's weird because <laughs> we're all sinners and we all have our baggage that we bring into right. relationships and we all have our selfish tendencies. So I, I know this one um, small group at our church that met for years. And every time they'd go around and say, how's your marriage on a scale of one to 10? And this one couple, every time, we're a 10. We're mm-hmm. a 10. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought like they were so jealous of this couple. They were like, how are you a 10? We're only at a six. We fought right. all week or we're not agreeing with finances or whatever. And then um, one day she showed up by herself and announced that he had been having an affair in another state and he was leaving her and they were it was done. She had no idea. Like there was no and I'm not saying you need to blow up fight conflicts, but like it was a little weird that everything was perfect all the time. There right. was more that was being dusted under the rug, you know, some conflict avoidance, obviously, some heart issues. But so what we're saying is don't be afraid of conflict. Don't be afraid right. if you're at a six in your marriage and not yeah. at a 10. Yeah. Obviously, we want to do better and strive to right. to be working well and handling co- conflict gracefully. But we can't be afraid of conflict. Yeah. It's not a coincidence that, you know, when you look at history and governments and literature, anytime um, anybody's attempting to create a utopia, Mm -hmm. what they actually end up creating is a dystopia. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, that couple you mentioned, it's it, it they may have felt like it was this utopia. But in reality, just under the surface was all this stuff that they weren't dealing with. And um, and that who knows what their story is, but it, it's just like, yeah, when when you see things, 
where it's like, man, it can't possibly be that rosy. Mm-hmm. It can't possibly be that good mm-hmm. for everyone else. And yeah. and um, so, yeah, when when we have conflicts in, in our relationships, I know for me, I, I wouldn't say that I am conflict avoidant when it comes to, you know, I don't know, big issues or or I'm actually somebody who kind of likes a good debate. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't do it on social media because I feel like it's just unproductive. But <laughs> right. But like I was on the debate team in mm. high school. Like I, I like that as a as a practice, as an intellectual kind of exercise. Right. But when it comes to the people closest to me, I just want everybody to be OK. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what makes me happy? Well, what makes Karis happy is is when everyone in my family is okay, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily good because yeah. um, I put a lot of pressure on people to act okay, mm-hmm. especially my kids, you know, act okay whether they're okay or not yeah. <clears throat> to make me happy. But um, yeah, it, it can be hard. And, and I think the key, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is that it's it, the conflict isn't the problem. Mm-hmm. The lack of resolution and communication throughout mm-hmm. the process of conflict, yeah. which if conflict is inevitable, you know, we're, we need to learn tools to to resolve um, that conflict in a gracious way. Mm-hmm. And maybe even some like some rules of engagement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like we kind of you kind of have to come together as a family um, and decide how you're going to relate to each other. Mm-hmm in these inevitable times that you're going to have conflict. Right. And conflict can actually be positive. Like we're saying, you can really grow as a family. You know, we've had times with my extended family specifically where we have really grown when these, you know, rules of grace-based fighting have been applied. One thing that you made me think of is, do you know, Dr. John Gottman is like this amazing researcher on relationships. Mm -hmm. He's been around forever. And he can predict within like 96% accuracy if a couple will stay married or get divorced after talking to them for like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And he had, he's, he's very fascinating and he can predict a lot of things based on people's communication styles. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, we took this course, my husband and I, early on in our marriage. And I remember this because he, they gave this, the facilitator gave these illustrations and he said, okay, so say there's uh, people in a marriage or in a family and they're conflict avoiders. Then in the middle, you have like the kind of passive aggressive mm-hmm. folks. Right. And then you have aggressive communicators. Who do you think is going to bode best? Like who's going to do better in a marriage, for example? And most of us thought like conflict avoidance, like they're not going right. to be fighting. And um, he actually based on John Gottman's research, was absolutely not. The people that are conflict avoiders, if you have two conflict avoiders in a relationship, that's a recipe for disaster. Wow. Because you're dusting everything under the rug, and then one day, 10 years later, when you're bitter and resentful, you're just, you're done because you're apathetic. He said it's actually better to have two people that are aggressive in their communication with some rules and some boundaries that are airing out their frustrations and their grievances and coming to resolution. Right. Uh, it's the people that you have to watch where they're p- very passive aggressive or they just don't even they're so afraid of conflict that they'll just internalize stuff it down, mm-hmm. stuff it down. So, again, this famous researcher has even said it's conflict avoidance is not healthy. So how do we handle conflict? Gracefully? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if if, you know, if we don't 
develop some habits, some healthy habits to deal with conflict, you get to a point where, like you said, you've you've brushed everything under the rug for so long. There's so much bitterness and resentment built up that, you know, nothing's impossible, but it feels impossible to even find your way back mm-hmm. to a starting point. Right. Because you've 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 gotten so far mm-hmm. off track that it's like you can't even identify a thing that you're disagreeing on. And it's really, you're just apathetic and you lose Mm -hmm. hope. And, and so, you know, for anybody listening, you know, if you're in that place, I obviously seek, seek help and counseling. We all need that. We all Mm -hmm. need therapy. I was telling Michelle this morning, how much I need to get back into therapy, (laughs) just based on this crazy pandemic and what it's doing to Mm -hmm. all of our kind of emotions and stuff, but um, seek help because, you know, nothing is too far gone. And and I know I have read books by John Gottman and he does that. Like how terrifying would that be to sit with him, Mm -hmm. with your spouse? And he basically goes, you know, 90 seconds in knows, okay, you guys are headed for divorce. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. but what's hopeful about what he writes is, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Because here's how we can learn Mm -hmm. and grow and change our habits that we've either yeah. learned by our upbringing or some of these things are maybe a little bit built into our yeah. our personalities but um we don't have to stay stuck mm-hmm. and we can improve yeah so Absolutely. i need to get all of these we're gonna go through you know grace based rules for a fair fight i need all of these to be tattooed on the inside of my eyelids i think <laughs> so that i can just right. like see them in my sleep yeah um same I'm going to go ahead and read this list, start to finish real quick, and then we'll let's go back and talk about cool. each one. So um, here are the grace-based rules for a fair fight. We didn't make these up. These have come from some of our training courses and resources that we've taught over the years. They're very well researched, but we're just going to kind of state them. Um, okay, number one, keep volume at conversational level. Number two, no name calling. Number three, Deal with one issue, not many. Not many, right? One issue, not many. Number four, use I statements rather than you statements. Number five, deal with behavior, not their character. Number six, avoid generalization. Things like you always or you never. Um, Number seven, separate the facts from the feelings and deal with them individually. And number eight, Pursue unity rather than victory. Hmm. Um, So let's talk about these things. Yeah. Number one, keep volume at conversational level. Okay, I fail at this one. (laughs) Just I'm going to just basically tell all of you how how I fail at all of them. Oh, yes. Right. But we all can do better. Yes. It is hard to keep. Sometimes I have to go into a robotic tone. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I could get too intense. I'm like, I am having a problem with the way that you are talking to me. (laughs) What is seriously happening right now? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to calm down. So I've actually heard of some people that will sit like on the couch and hold hands, like gag me with a spoon, the anti-touchy-feeling person, and whisper through their fights to do something But I get like things don't get as escalated if you're keeping at a conversational level or choosing to whisper. But my whispers get very rude. Yeah. Yes. So I try too. to keep it at a weird robotic conversation. Well, remember when you were in grade school where in the class was just like everybody's acting up and the teacher would just get really quiet. Yes, it's creepy. Start. Yeah. 
it freaks yeah. him out. And I even, you know, um, in my book on discipline, we first of all, we go into all sorts of ways to kind of help you emotionally de-escalate, which are great tools to have. And it's the only reason I'm able to ever not be screaming all the time because my natural bent would be to just control everyone with the high level of my voice, right? Um, so I have to unlearn that and find tools to to do better. So there, there's some of those techniques in my book. But, um, you know, one of the things that is kind of a... It's kind of a fun tool when you have to discipline your kids is if they're freaking out or they're especially when it's a temper tantrum and it's mm-hmm. a younger kid. A really good tool is just to if you can get to a place where you can sort of just put your body against them mm-hmm. a little lean or if they're on the ground and they're thrashing around, you just kind of sit with them and just kind of put your arm on them. Mm-hmm. I'm demonstrating in the studio. Nobody can see this, but just <laughs> kind of like laying your arm on them as though your arm is just kind of dead and it's laying there. And then you just start talking really quiet. You're like, I know you're having a hard time right now. If you can calm down and relax, we can talk about it. Yeah. And it just kind of freaks kids out. Yeah. And it can the whole be mood. a little mm. tool to mm-hmm. just like, and I'm not saying do this in a conversation with your spouse. Like, <laughs> put your heavy like, on. How weird would this be? <laughs> but it, but I think it's it's kind of first of all, it's proven that volume of voice and yelling is a form of emotional abuse mm-hmm. because it it it's not productive. It puts the other person into fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. basically into panic mode, so they can't think. Yeah. And when you're the one who has escalated that high emotionally, you're not in a place where you're using your thinking brain. You're mm-hmm. using your lizard brain and you're freaking out, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's there's only a few th- reasons that we should be yelling mm-hmm. at people, you know, to get their attention if they're in danger. Yeah. You know, if they're so far away from us that that's the only way that they can hear us mm-hmm. or, you know, if we're cheering them on in a, in a something that they're doing and yeah. we're, we're cheering for them. Right. But um yeah, we shouldn't be yelling at each other. We shouldn't right. be yelling at our kids. And mm-hmm. again, I repent of, of yeah. doing this sometimes, but I I have definitely gotten a lot better with this one. Mm-hmm. And it's key. It is. And the second one you talked about is no name calling. I think I see this the most um, between my kids. Mm. There is a lot of, you fart head. I'm like, oh, <laughs> really? That's lovely. Um you poopy pants, you have poop on your head. These are the yeah, <laughs> but also you jerk. These are all coming from my three year old, just right. so you know, not my nine year old well, or my he's they're all kind of yeah. funny though. Like, that's the hard thing with kids <laughs> is sometimes the names they come up with, you're like, man, that's funny. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, it's like I you want to write that one down because that was just kind of funny. I but, know, yeah, maybe a lot we can't say, but yes, name calling, right? right? It's just like, like we don't call names, we can't, like, that's not cool because the whole remember sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, words will never hurt me. Like, that's right. junk, like, words are hurtful. And right. when you're calling your friends or your brother stupid or a dummy, like, there's just no room for that, right? Well, and you know, I mentioned I was in, um, in the on the debate team in high school and you know i think i think the the triumph of that sort of discipline is that you learn uh logic Mm -hmm. and then you also learn about some of the logical fallacies Mm -hmm. and you get docked points right like this is a competition yeah and you're trying to win the competition and one of the ways that you lose the competition really fast is that you use some of these logical fallacies in your argument Mm mm-hmm so, you know, you get docked 
major points in these competitions if you use any of these logical fallacies as part of your argument, mm. right? Um, and a, a big logical fallacy, well, name calling is one, but there's also one called ad hominem, huh. right? Uh -huh. And so what that means is you're focusing on the person rather than on the argument and the logic mm. involved in it. Rather, you know, you're you're attacking the person's self right and usually that comes through name calling yeah. you know so you're like, kind of attacking their character not their stance or their right opinion. yeah but but it's it's frankly it's name calling like yeah you know you're just a moron to believe yeah that you're just a something. moron mm -hmm. like anybody who thinks this is a moron well first right. of all no yeah like that's it's categorically incorrect yeah. that anybody who thinks this is a moron right yeah. we have proof you know, that's mm -hmm. why you get docked points, because it's just not true. It, yeah, it's not a good idea. It's never <laughs> completely true. And again, it puts, just like the volume of your voice, it puts that person in defensive mode. Mm -hmm. Now you're not talking about whatever it is that's actually important for you to talk about. Now that person feels like, well, now we got to talk about this that you just said. Right. Right. And you get totally off track and yeah. it's unproductive. Totally. So the rules of engagement are the same yeah. and uh, even more important in interpersonal in relationships. Mm -hmm. And you alluded to number three, deal with one issue, not many. We call this a kitchen sink fight where right. you're throwing everything in but the kitchen sink, right? right. Like that old yes. expression. And I'm going to admit, we had one of these last night. Mm -hmm. I, I think we talked about like, Every hot button topic in our marriage right. in a course of like 15 minutes. I'm like, wait, where are we at now? Are we yeah. talking about finances? Or are we talking about kids? Or are we talking about schedules? Or like, right. what are yeah. like what what even started this? Right. right. So yeah. I think it's important and we've done this a lot. And I'll say, okay, we're okay, we need to go back. Those are all valid. Like right. I get what you're saying that I'm being like this and this is frustrating me about you. Okay. But let's let's solve or discuss this one issue and we can table those and we can come back to them. I'm not mm -hmm. just ignoring them or not validating them, but it, there's just no point in trying to fight seven different topics right. at once. <laughs> right. And this can be really hard if you're a person who works, I, I think, sees the interconnectedness of all sure. things. Right. So if you're a highly creative person, like mm -hmm. there have been scientific studies that prove that highly creative people, the reason that they're creative, all they're really doing is they're finding connections with mm -hmm. things all the time. Right. And so, you know, they can connect. All you those can connect seven the dots issues. on all yeah. of those seven things yeah. and they may intersect. Right. They may affect each other. Mm -hmm. And so it is so tempting to st and I do it. I do it. I mean, last night this <laughs> happened in our family and I was telling you about this fight and I'm not going to go into specifics, but it was a dumb surface level thing mm -hmm. that in my emotional self, my inner brain that nobody else could hear or see this made connections on all yeah. sorts of hot button things, yeah. insecurities that I had, things I was, assumptions I was making about what that very simple surface level statement meant. Right. I wasn't taking it at face value, mm -hmm. right? I was, it was so loaded, right? Right, And it's so easy for this to happen. And so mm -hmm. that's why I think when we can come together with some of these rules of engagement and it's like, we're agreeing on these things in advance. And it's not practical to say that any time we're going to, you know, we have conflict that we're going to sit down, remind each other of the rules. Right. But that's why it's good to think about this kind of stuff when you're not 
in the heat of the and, argument. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. When you can kind of tell your brain, okay, here's what we're going right. to do. And, you know, if, if this is a big problem in your, in your family life, it might be, you know, put these on sticky notes and put them on your mirror, put them somewhere where you're seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your brain will bring those things up and recall them. Maybe, you know, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, two times out of 10 rather than 10 times out of 10, you're freaking out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, so I feel like, again, these are all interconnected. So we said deal with one issue, not many. The next one is one that I think is so helpful, so hard to do. Yeah. It takes a lot it of It really discipline. takes practice mm-hmm. and discipline and a desire mm-hmm. to do it. And this one is use I statements rather than you statements. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Recently, you know, none of us can meet together in person. So we're all, you know, trying to find ways to stay connected. And and at my church, we, um, you know, we can't have our small group coffee hours and things that we would normally do in person. And so we've been doing these sort of Zoom meetups that sort of are substitute for right now and um, of meeting in person. And this particular topic that we all came together to talk about was the topic of racism, mm-hmm. right? Which like what? how how hot button can something be right <laughs> right than that and you know there's just there's so many things that like just to broach the subject mm-hmm. you have to put some real clear parameters mm-hmm. around the rules of engagement yeah. and so in in doing you know we all read a book together and then we had discussion time sharing time mm-hmm. and one of the big rules of engagement that we kind of all as a group decided on was this one that when we're talking, we're not cross-talking, we're not responding to what somebody else said. Now we may echo it and say, I really like what Michelle said and I feel similarly, right? Mm -hmm. So we can kind of echo in a positive way, but there was no cross-talking allowed. This is not a debate. right? Everybody is gonna kind of give their perspective. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you have to make I statements. Mm. I feel this way. Right. think this. I have seen this rather than it getting into, well, they do this and they think right. this and you, you guys mm. must be whatever, right? Because it just isn't productive. Yeah. And and in the I think it would have been we would have done it even in a in an in-person setting, especially with that sure. particular topic that can really there's a lot of emotion and deeply held beliefs mm-hmm. around it, right? Um but especially in a Zoom setting with the number of people we had, it w- it ended up being so helpful. But can I tell you how many times all of us caught oh, ourselves sure. going, yeah. oh, just made a you statement. So sorry. And correcting wow. it. Um, and it allowed for much more deep conversation, yeah. even even on a topic where, I mean, you couldn't have had a more diverse, uh, you know, group of thinking on it. Mm hmm. And that could have cool. easily devolved, yeah. but it was really kind of cool how that worked. And so, but it's exhausting. Oh, it's so hard. Right? You have to talk very slowly. You have to really you have think. To think about what you're going to say. Yeah. And I know in our family and in our conversations, it's so easy just to say like, well, you're being rude and you're not being yeah. helpful or whatever, instead of. And then that's just automatically going to put the person on the defense. So do you think they're going to be helpful if you're yeah, yelling right. at them you're not being helpful? It, but if if it's, I'm feeling, you know, if you just, right. but it, it is so hard to slow down for me at least. And 
how do I reflect that? What is my frustration that nobody puts away their lunch meat on Sunday when we come home and everyone's having sandwiches and there's stuff and then everyone leaves? I want to just yell, you guys are so rude. Like everyone just made a mess in here. Nobody offered to help clean up. Like that is so selfish. You are being rude instead of guys, I'm feeling a little taken advantage of or I am hurt because now I'm stuck cleaning everything up. I feel unappreciated that no one offered to help me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's sometimes hard. It's easier to like lash out than to internalize and be like, what am I? What what am I feeling? Right. Yeah. And that's a really key step, I think, that you identified is that in order to do this, we actually have to be able to identify the I statements. Right. And that's not always easy to do because it gets clouded by all Mm -hmm. sorts of other stuff. And it requires a level of um, self um, awareness for sure. Right. And so this is a, this is a hard one for us to do as adults, but I tell you what, modeling this for your kids really, mm-hmm. um, really sort of invests a lot of relational yeah. capital, I think. And it's, it's a great skill set to learn. So mm-hmm. yeah. What's the, next? The next one, uh, the fifth rule for a fair fight is deal with the behavior, not the their character. So for example, if someone, you know, if a kid is rude, which, <laughs> yeah, that happens all the time at my house. This morning, <laughs> give me life cereal. Okay. So instead of saying, <laughs> you're being a little turd, I need to say, <laughs> speaking like that is not kind. Like, right. That is unkind. Right. I'm going to, like you said, tag the behavior. You talk about right. this in your book and not give a character character. assassination right Right. like you're not a jerk but your words are unkind right Right. you're not allowed to speak to me like that um and that again takes a lot of discipline to not say well you're being a liar right no you are being dishonest about this what you just said isn't Mm -hmm. wasn't true or what you just said it was a lie not you're a liar right and there's a huge difference Mm -hmm. right because it isn't true that somebody is a liar through and through right right at least not in that instance. Yeah. It's like, no, that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. We tell the truth in the, this family. Yeah. Or you're mean, right? No, <sighs> what you said was unkind. Mm-hmm. Let's try to rephrase that. Yeah. Let's try again. You know, like that instance you shared, mm-hmm. that's a perfect time for a do-over to mm-hmm. be like, okay, stop. <laughs> Rewind. Yeah. Try again. Mm-hmm. You know, gives them an opportunity to sort of self-assess. Okay, what was wrong with what I, how I just said what I said? Yeah, right. Not going to get what I'm asking for until I do some reassessment and try yeah. it again. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, this is a big one, and it kind of ties into what I said about you know those rules of engagement with logical fallacies that that yeah. that um, you know ad hominem attack. It's not mm-hmm. exactly dealing with behavior, not character, but it is this idea that character assassination isn't first of all, isn't true because it's goes into another one that, you know, we're we're going to talk about or we did talk about is generalizations, like making these generalizations isn't isn't good. But um, trying to deal with the behavior yeah. is actually what is productive mm-hmm. because that's a way that that in real time people can learn, OK, when I did this or when I said this in this way, mm-hmm. It produced this kind of a response right. from mom or from mm-hmm. dad or, you know, you and Mike together, me and Mike, mm-hmm. you know, our, our mics, <laughs> right? Um, 
it, it'll, it just kind of gives you that real-time feedback that's helpful rather than real-time feedback that's unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Right. In a situation. And there's the whole self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, oh, I'm yeah. a liar. Okay. So that's yeah. what people view me as. Right. Then maybe I'll just keep sneaking by and you start internalizing those messages. Yeah. Or you're lazy. You're lazy. I was just right? gonna say that. Yeah. You're and a ding dong. I use yeah. that one too much, I think. <laughs> I, have a, I have a little bit of a ding dong kid. Yeah. But yeah. bless his heart. But <laughs> you know, he's thinking about other things. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Right, but you do you, know. you, even even when they're kind of funny and and mint and jest, right? You know, our kids especially can yeah, internalize those messages sure. about themselves, mm-hmm. and yeah, it is. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy because they think, well, if I'm just a liar, right, might as well live up to it, right? Yeah, yeah, That's not what you want. And you talked about uh, generalizations. That's rule number six: avoid using statements like "you always" or "you never." Put your socks in the hamper. Right. You always forget your lunch at home because no one does forgets their lunch at home every day. Yeah. So right. we just need to avoid. And you want, we wouldn't want someone saying that about us. Michelle, you always leave the lights on in the house. You yeah. always scratch the car doors. I don't always. I just sometimes do it. <laughs> Very frequently scratch the car doors, Michelle. More often than not, do I park too close to a curb or another car? I'm just kidding. That feels like that might like you feel a little visceral. A little visceral. This about is a that. little raw. Yeah. Yes. Okay. A recent fight. Oh no. no <laughs> but it's true. And this is another one of those those, you know, rules of engagement that you got docked points for mm-hmm. if you did this yeah. on the debate team, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's categorically untrue. Right. That someone always or never right. or generalizations. You mm-hmm. know, and sometimes stereotypes and generalizations can be helpful in a conversation because they do identify similarities. Mm-hmm. But they're almost never across the board true. You can always right. find exceptions. Mm-hmm. And in in this kind of interpersonal communication, it's just not helpful. Yeah. Right? Because again, it's a, it's a thing that puts the other person mm-hmm. in, a, in a mode where now they feel like they have to defend that because, well, that's not true what you just said. And I need right. to refute that. Or I need to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And um, you've got not off track again from talking about the main thing. Right. Yep. Well, so that leads into this next one. Number seven is separate. And this is a big one. This is actually maybe a different one than what we've talked about before. Um, but separate the facts from the feelings and deal with them individually. Mm-hmm. So I think in any conflict, you have the facts. Mm-hmm. And these are things that are verifiable. These are yeah. things that are evidence-based mm-hmm. um, that can be fact-checked. <laughs> right. And um, and then you have the feelings. Yeah. And that's all the stuff that is connected underneath that. Mm-hmm. And um, you can, in any argument, and I think this goes along with either personality type, maybe some, some male-female differences. I find it to be a whole lot more individual right personality driven but in any conflict you're going to have one person who maybe tends to focus more on the facts yeah and then the person who is tending to focus more on the feelings Mm -hmm. and so you're just talking across each other yeah and you're not even uh, you're like in parallel universes you're not even really talking about the same things Mm -hmm. because one person is arguing the facts the other person's arguing the feelings and you can't you're not connecting at all yeah. 
Um, and and I I tend to be well I'm I'm facts based too, but I also yeah. tend to be somebody who just has is connecting a lot of feelings and emotions to mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So this is a big hard one, and I you know we our our counselor early on in our marriage that just kind of helped us as we were doing our premarital counseling, and then within that hard first year of marriage where you're learning how to be together right yeah. all the time. Um, this was a big one. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you guys got to separate the facts and feelings because yeah. you're never going to get to the bottom of this and you're going to mm-hmm. have the same fight over and over and over Yeah. if you don't separate the facts and feelings. So a lot of the time I've found that it's like maybe I was right about the facts. Right. Maybe I was so sure I was right about the facts that I totally ran over one of my mm. kids' feelings or my husband's feelings yeah. or a friend. Or vice versa. And so you can you can agree that, okay, facts, the facts are this, but you might have a lot to apologize for on the feelings front. Sure. No, that's a really good point. Right? And um, yeah, it's it's so vital to kind of separate those two things. Yeah. Oh, I, that's hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've said that with everything. I know. So it is. We are not perfect in any of these areas. That's for sure. Um, rule number eight. Pursue unity rather than victory. And um, there's this. So this just basically means there's no I told you so. Yeah. (laughs) With our spouse or kids or extended family. That's just that's not kind. And that's not gracious. Right. God doesn't do that to us. Right. Like when we sin or mess up or or jerk, God's not like, well, I told you. Right. So if we need to have that same posture um, around others and this week I heard a sermon or something on tape. Tape. Who What's a tape? To tapes. You Me. Do, I do. I do. I have paper calendars, tapes. And um, I love that he said he was talking about marriage and the title was I'm not your enemy. And right. they were saying like they were fighting and one spouse finally felt the Holy Spirit say to her, I'm not your enemy. Like Satan is trying to. Right put a wedge in between our marriage. And I think if we always just keep that in our mind and realize like what God's brought together, Satan's trying to steal and kill and destroy with our marriage, with our family, in our relationships. And if we can remember, and not to get too woo-woo, but that Satan is on the prowl and he wants Mm. um, to destroy, he doesn't want victory in your marriage. He doesn't want victory in your family. He wants it to fall apart. He wants there to be tension and angst. And so if we just kind of remember, okay, we're in this together. We're not each other's enemy. We need to pursue unity here. Mm -hmm not trying to beat each other right. and compete and tear yeah. each other down. Right. And, and you know, if if conflict is about winning, mm-hmm. then that means that somebody wins and somebody loses. Right. And do you want that for the person that you love? Mm-hmm. Do you want them to be the loser all the time? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to feel like you're constantly losing these arguments? Right. You know, I referred to the debate team a lot, but this is where that whole analogy breaks down mm-hmm. because that was a competition. And someone's going to win and someone's going to lose, right? That is not what we want Mm -hmm. in our relationships. We want unity. That's that's the point. And and, you know, reconciliation does not mean agreement necessarily. Right. You know, there are going to be ways that we just whether it's with our kids, with our spouse, with other people that are important in our lives, we just 
are not going to always see eye to eye. We are going to have different perspectives because we have different experiences, Mm -hmm. different personalities, different ways of approaching the world. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things aren't just are just aren't necessarily wrong. They're just different. Right. And so reconciliation means this agreement to unify, to come together, to reconcile our hearts Mm -hmm. back to each other, even if we can't come to a consensus. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think a lot of the time we end up, at least Mike and I, it's the same five fights over and over again. Because (laughs) honestly, these are the things where we just are different. Mm hmm. He's never going to approach the world and and have the same perspective as I do and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's where grace comes in. Right. That's our whole message here. That's where grace comes in. There's not a lack of love in most marriages that fail. Most people will say, I still love that ex-spouse or I still love them. Or I loved them. I loved them and I will always love them. I'm just so apathetic. Right. Right. And so in those five fights that you and Mike always have, it's like that's where in the middle it's like, okay, I have to give him grace to be different and I have to give her grace to be not putting the leftovers the way the way I want them. Or I need to give Michelle grace to want to be really early to movies, even though it's painstaking for (laughs) my husband. He he would rather get a root canal than be early to something. And so in that, it's like, okay, I'm going to give you grace. Like sometimes we have to drive separate so we don't get in a fight. But I do me, he does him. And then we're happy to watch the movie. So I think that's where God's grace comes in. And when we're not putting people under a magnifying glass and expecting them to change for us and be like us and we force them into a mold. Yeah. Because do we really want clones of ourselves in everybody else? I don't. Yeah. Initially, I say yes. Initially, I say yes. But then I really think about it. and I'm like, I'm a nightmare. (laughs) I know. A lot of the time. I would drive myself insane. Yeah, I would drive myself nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we want differences. Those differences are what make us unique and make it beautiful. And unity does not mean sameness. Right. It never has. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Hopefully these tips have been helpful to you. I know they're challenging. They're challenging to Michelle and I. They're challenging to all of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is one of those those times when I'm going to remind you, you know, not to let the tyranny of perfectionism cripple you Mm -hmm. in this process. Right. Because it can be so crippling if if you are somebody who tends to like to do things the right way or Mm -hmm. wants to, you know, wants to be right. You're a perfect country person and whatever that is on the Enneagram that we've talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to remind yourself that, you know, good progress is good progress. Yeah, We're not going to do all of these things right all the time. Our spouse isn't going to do them. Our mm-hmm. kids aren't going to do them. But we can make Im- good imperfect progress. Yeah in all of these things as we move forward. And so, you know, if if keeping your voice at a conversational volume is something you're failing at 10 out of 10 times right now, but by thinking about this, by keeping it at the front of your mind, by talking about this, listening to this podcast, if that's, um, you know, helps you to maybe lower your voice and stay calm two mm-hmm. times out of 10, yeah, that pays a lot of, a lot of relational capital. Mm-hmm. And little by little, we're going to fall forward yeah. and we're going to get up and we're going to fall forward mm-hmm. and we're going to get up 
and we're going to do better. Um, So that's me preaching a sermon to myself (laughs) to remind myself and 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 everyone's listening that, you know, be encouraged. And uh, it's never too late to to learn these skills and to better them and no better time than the present Mm -hmm. when there's so little in our lives that we can control when the world feels like it is just one flaming ball of chaos and we're trapped in our homes either by ourselves in that isolation or with our families like we need to be working on our conflict resolution yeah, skills absolutely. now more than ever and that's just going to build a great skill set that then we're going to take into the world um mm-hmm. as the world you know goes back to normal whatever the heck that means <laughs> um but we love you guys um you can reach out to us at we have a new email address at family at gracebasedfamilies.com you can find us on the web at grayspacefamilies.com. Lots of resources there for you. We're going to um, try to make sure we have places where you can find all of this uh, information easily. Mm-hmm. We are not going to do show notes the same way we've been doing them, but we will have them in the descriptions now on all of our podcasting platforms. So we'll put this list. We would normally put it in show notes. We're not going to do those anymore. We're going to put the show notes or the pertinent information in the description. So link in description basically is what the cool kids say, you know, so smash that subscribe button. Love it. Oh, no. I love it. Our producer has has given me the (laughs) side. He told me specifically not to say smash the like button. That's why you had to. That's why I had to do it it now. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just how we are. He also doesn't like it when I leave a few seconds on the microwave. Oh, yes. So I did. I left two seconds today. I got called out. (laughs) So we like to sometimes stir things up and create conflict (laughs) just to because we're bored. So but thank you, everyone. And thanks, Michelle. Yeah. Thanks, Karis. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Grace-Based Families podcast. This is part of Grace-Based Families Ministry. For more resources, check us out on gracebasedfamilies.com slash podcast or stream us on all major podcasting platforms. Once again, this is Karis and Michelle. Until next time.